They're not going to turn the lights on so you clap better. Good morning. Jim, thanks for sharing your story with us. Jim, where are you sitting? Just wave your hand at me. Is he here? Is he right there? No, not that Jim. Jim DeRoche that shared his story. I just wanted to, he's probably left. Um, he took his wife, Karen, uh, to hospital this morning. She was having uh, excessive blood pressure, and the doctors are, are looking after her right now. But um, as you can imagine, uh, he's quite worried about that. And I was thinking this morning just of his testimony of resting in God. And let's just pray for Karen right now. Lord, we just thank you for Karen. Lord, you're lowering that blood pressure. Lord, you're taking care of her. We pray for Jim today, Lord, who's putting that word that he got to the test today that anxiety and worry will not overcome, but Lord, he'll stand in his victory and his wife's healing today in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, amen. I heard a funny story this week, um, and it was uh, a guy's out fishing. He's, he's actually um, a self-proclaimed atheist, and uh, as he's fishing, the Loch Ness Monster comes underneath his boat and uh, hops his boat in the air, and he's, you know twirling in the air as a Loch Ness Monster open his, opens his mouth ready to chomp him, and it freeze frames. Um, and just before it freeze frames, he yells out, oh God, help me, freeze frame. And God says to him, I thought you didn't believe in me. And he said, oh, come on, God, give me a break. Up until 10 seconds ago, I didn't believe in the Loch Ness Monster either. Oh, this is Palm Sunday this morning. Uh, traditionally, and it's the beginning of Passion Week, the Passion of the Christ, or that word passion literally meaning the suffering of the Christ. He suffered for us because he loved us, as Christina was exhorting us a moment ago. He suffered, he went through the Passion of the Christ because he loves us. Romans 5, 8 says, God demonstrated his own love. That's kind of the word I want to focus on today, a demonstration of love. Love expressed is what we're calling this this morning. God demonstrated his own love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. He demonstrated his passion for us in the passion of the cross, and today I want to talk about our response to that, our passion for him, our love expressed for him. Lord, we just pray this morning that you would help us Lord, as we conclude our service today in just a few moments, Lord, that we'll be those who decide to break the alabaster box and join the procession in Jesus' name today. And everyone said, amen. Well, as I said, it's traditionally known as Palm Sunday. Jesus is uh, coming into Jerusalem for his final time. Uh, if we look at this week's events uh, to celebrate Passover uh, with what some scholars believe could be up to a million people in the then-known world that would have traveled and made the pilgrimage, both Jews and proselyte Jews who were coming into Jerusalem, uh, into the holy city to, um, to enter into Passover. And that was the lamb that was slain that broke uh, Egyptians' bondage, and they came out of Egypt. Um, and the angel saw the blood on the doorpost in the shape of a cross. And the lamb himself, Jesus, uh, is celebrating that Passover for the final time and would crest into what we today call Easter as we celebrate the Lamb that John the Baptist saw that takes away the sin of the world. So I want to pick up on that story in just a moment, Palm Sunday story, the procession. But as 
This is the beginning, as, as I said, what we call Passion Week leading up to Friday, Jesus, uh, his events on the cross, and the next Sunday as we'll celebrate his resurrection. I'd like to step back to last night in the scheme of Passion Week, uh, the Saturday night before, and Jesus has not quite got to Jerusalem yet, and he stops to have dinner with some friends. Mary and Martha and Lazarus are going to be there, and of course, Lazarus, the one who just a very brief time, days, at most, at most a week or two, since he's risen, uh, he prayed over Lazarus in the tomb after four days, and Lazarus was raised from the dead. And so he stops at that house to have, uh, to have dinner. That raising of Lazarus caused quite a stir. I mean, it really, I mean, think about it. Uh, if there was a report of somebody coming back to life after four days um, in an environment where they didn't embalm, and the, the flesh is literally rotting, and when Jesus asked for the stone to be rolled away, the family contested and said, he'll stink, like decay is already set in. And so this really created a buzz. First, it created a buzz with the religious Pharisees. And we talk about the Pharisees from time to time. And I, I, I say it this way. The Pharisees missed Jesus, who he was. They did not realize that he was God. And, and so Pharisees are religious people who don't know God but want to tell everybody else what to do. Have you ever met somebody like that? religious Pharisee, and they, they were experts in the, in, the, in the law. They were experts in what the Bible said, didn't know God, never experienced him because they, met, they would, not, would not see or believe that Jesus was the Son of God. And so people who don't know God, I want to tell everybody else what to do. And this was their response. For that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved uh, about publicly among the people of Judea, Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. So that first stir was with uh, the Pharisees. The second stir in Jerusalem at this time are the people who had seen and experienced Jesus um, and were believing, not because he was a Loch Ness monster, but because they had experienced God in the flesh, his power, his love, his might, or they had heard about at least Lazarus being raised from the dead. And they get to Jerusalem, and they're looking for Jesus. They kept looking for Jesus as they stood in the temple courts, and they asked one another, what do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival of all? And I love this. And so we have people looking for Jesus, and we've got religious people trying to keep Jesus from being found because they want to arrest him or kill him. So people looking for Jesus and religious people trying to keep him from being found. And I'd like to submit to, I don't think it's that different today. I think it's really the same today. Because religion wants you to find the law, find the rules, find the moral code of conduct before you have an experience with Jesus. We talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and Satan presents a way that he says, you don't need God you can just do it this way. You can know good and evil and just do as much good as you can. And hopefully at the end of the day, you do more good than you do bad. And of course, we know that that doesn't get anybody eternal life. The tree of life is knowing that God, having a relationship with the God who gives us life. Say life, gives us eternal life. 
People looking for Jesus, people trying to keep them from finding Jesus. I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. He said, are you tired? Yes. Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so, quite a stir, people looking, people trying to keep him from finding what he promised. Well, he's at the supper, and the meal's been prepared. His 12 disciples are there. Lazarus, others are there. Martha, uh, we've met Martha, who loves to serve. She's serving the dinner. And sometime uh, that evening, Mary comes into the room, uh, Martha's sister, Lazarus's sister, Mary comes into the room holding an alabaster box, which would have caught everyone's attention. They probably would have shifted from the dialogue of the dinner table. Uh, in that tradition, they would sit, uh, actually lay on couches, kind of sit up on a couch reclined um, at the table as they would eat. But as she enters in with this very expensive, it's a marble-like material, alabaster. And this alabaster box would catch people's attention because it, it, they would know right away what it was. Inside was, uh, was, was perfumed oil called spikenard. And the box itself was hugely expensive, and the spikenard was hugely expensive. And together, together um, was a lot of money. And Martha probably was a wealthy woman. Uh, from what we can understand through scriptures. And so she had the means to pre-plan her funeral. And this would have been purchased at some point, maybe handed down to her, and she would be, that would be uh, for her when she passed away. The box would be broken, and uh, would no, box would be broken, and she, that, that oil would be put on her body um, for embalming. Not, instead of embalming, they didn't have where they would draw the blood out and, and then uh, prepare them for burial. So it would be more... It would be mummified, and um, it would put this spike nerd. So she comes into the room, and she breaks the alabaster box. No going back. It's not like you open the bottle <laughs> and pour it out a little bit. You, there's only one way. It's like a piggy bank. Did you ever get one of those as a kid, and you're looking for, how do I get the money out of this? You have to wait till it's full, and you break it. And that never made sense to me, but um, the alabaster box needed to be broken. And she breaks it open. She pours the oil all over Jesus. And at his feet, where there was excess oil, she took down her hair. And she wiped, took her own hair and wiped the excess oil uh, from Jesus' feet. This was an extravagant display of love and devotion toward Jesus. And as we read um, in faith, she's not even really realizing what she's doing, except Jesus said that she's preparing my body for burial. He was going to the cross in just a short period of time. But she didn't realize what she was doing, just led by uh, the Holy Spirit and her, her act of devotion, extravagant display of love and devotion. And this beautiful moment 
Like, I mean, the cellos are playing, the violins are playing, the conductor, as the scene pulls out and the cameras pull back a little bit, and you can see everybody sitting at the table. Some are crying, and Mary certainly, or excuse me, Martha's certainly crying. I think Jesus is as well. As this beautiful, beautiful moment of her expressing, say expressing, Today, I want to talk to you about expressed love. Has she expressed her love and devotion to Jesus? And Judas pipes up and puts a price on what just took place. He was the money holder, the treasurer, and we find out that he liked to dip in and take some for himself, one for Jesus, two for me, one for Jesus, two for me. And uh, he pipes up and breaks this beautiful moment as the cellos, and everything comes crashing down. Everybody turns and looks at Judas like, what is he going to say? He does a quick calculation, and he said, this, this was worth 300 denarii. And for us just to kind of understand the currency of the day and how much is 300 denarii, if you'll remember the uh, time where Jesus was feeding the 5,000, and that's just 5,000 men. They would have had their wives, their children with them. And so how many? I mean, it could be 10,000, could be more, a little bit less. But 5,000, and that was just how they counted in those days. I'm not sure why. And um, Jesus said to his disciples, you need to feed them. They're hungry. They've been here all day. And they're like, how, how are we going to do that? Because um, it would probably cost, and they do a calculation quick, 200 denarii. The alabaster box and the oil is 300 denarii. Feeding, feeding 5,000 people would have been less, 200 denarii. So 300, the cost of the alabaster box, uh, and Judas doing the quick calculation, is somewhere around an average of one year's salary uh, in, that, in that particular time. And he says, he's angry. As we look at the other Gospels, and, and kind of put the account together. He's, he's indignant. The Bible use that word indignant. He is angry. And he says, what a waste. What a waste. And that word waste means it's been, it's, it's been poured out. You can never get it back. It's, it's the same word of a person who at the end of their life, um, if they were to go to eternity separated from God in hell, it's the same word. There's a waste or a destruction. It's, it's over. It's just completely over, and there's no changing that. He said, this is such a waste. And that's what religion will say about Mary's beautiful act of extravagant love that Jesus accepted, and Jesus said, leave her alone. He was very strong. What she has done is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Religion will look at the extravagant display of how we worship the Lord this morning here at Harvest. They'll look at that and say, yeah, I, you guys don't get it. That's not spirituality. That's emotionalism. That, that's, that's just, you're just hyping it up. That's, what a waste. If you call that church, that's a waste. If you were really loving Jesus, you would be feeding the poor, which is what Ju Judas said. You should have taken the money and done something religious with it, like 
and he listed all these, and there were great benevolent and humanitarian things that he had in mind. And we absolutely at Harvest believe that we should be feeding the poor and doing humanitarian things, but not separated from a relationship with Jesus, who's the one who makes all of that. Something happens when we do it in the name of Jesus, in the power of Jesus. In fact, he said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, it won't go unnoticed or it won't be wasted. Jesus said her act and display of worship is not wasted. In fact, he said, it will go on throughout history speaking about what she's done. I want you to see this. As he receives her extravagant act of love, not a waste, not in in, in religious terminology. Oh, that's, if you think that is, no, it's, it's this over here. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. For emphasis sake, I will read it once more. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And of course it would be that much perfume, that much oil, that much spikenard. In the Old Testament, when sacrifices were offered up to God, they were often, fire was used to burn the sacrifice. And in the Old Testament, animals died in the place of people. And then there would be, this, there would be several, the burnt offering, the Thanksgiving offering, and fire. And, and God, when he, when he was pleased with the sacrifice, he would use this terminology. It would say in the Bible, and the offering rose to God as a sweet-smelling fragrance. And God said, I am pleased with the worship. The fragrance filled the house. The fragrance filled the house. At Harvest, we believe that the house should be filled with the fragrance of worship. And if you're new with us today or if you're watching online, and I've had people who say, I love watching your worship time at church. We turn it up loud. And I've had people, why does it have to be so loud? Because the Bible says that God likes loud worship. There's something about the energy of worship as it travels in the airwaves, as we get caught up. Yes, is there emotionalism? Yes, I'm going to give you a scripture in a moment to explain that. Is it emotion for the sake of emotion? No, it's emotion like when the, the jar was broken and the house is filled with perfume and Jesus is touched by it, Martha's touched by it, the people are touched by it, but the ground to a halt is the religious voice that said, this is a waste. We should be acting differently. At Harvest, we want our passion to rise into the response, in a response to his passion. And that's why our worship is passionate and heartfelt. And all the expressions of worship in the largest book of the Bible called the Psalms are used, that we sing and we shout and we lift our hands and we dance and we rejoice and the instruments are loud. And Hebrews tells us, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice, now, Jesus was the final, he's not an animal, but in the place, he, he's, he's called the lamb. And so his sacrifice, his blood for our forgiveness of sin is what we're celebrating at Easter time. But let us continually, say continually, continually offer to God a sacrifice. Well, what kind? of praise, the fruit of lips, and openly professing his name. And do not forget to do good and share with others. That comes second as we know him. For, for such sacrifices, 
God is pleased. And the fragrance of worship filled the house. Well, the next day, he leaves the supper, uh, and he gets up the next morning. And let me just read this, these scriptures to you. Just listen as I read the account of Palm Sunday. He says to his disciples, go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if someone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. And they started untying the colt. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. And the owner said, what are you, what are you doing with, what are you doing taking my colt? Why are you untying it? Ah. Uh, We'll just say what he said, right? Right, guys? We'll just say what he says? Okay. Uh, the Lord needs it. Oh, okay then. <laughs> and so they untied it, and they brought it to Jesus. I love that Jesus knows every intricate detail of our life. He sees the beginning from the end. Come on, somebody. He knows where you are today. And if he says to you, go and do this, in obedience, know that he's already been there before you, already already prepared it. And that's, that's Jesus that we serve. If the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on the colt. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. Uh, and, and, and he came near the place. Uh, where the road goes to the Mount of Olives. And the whole crowd of disciples began to joyfully praise God in loud voices. And we know that they cut palm branches down, as was the custom of fanning a king. And, and uh, all along the roadway, they were fanning and putting palm branches down. And they began to, to shout in joyful praise in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, those are the guys, remember, that don't know Jesus, but want to tell everybody else what to do, said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your followers, all the people in the procession. He said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out in praise. Even the stones will recognize who I am. And when somebody recognizes who I am, their passionate response can't be quieted. Religion can't quiet it. And when you have had an experience with Jesus, and each week our heart is that everyone in this room would know God, whether you're in church for the very first time, online for the very first time, that you could experience, you could know God, not know about him, but experience him. Not because the Loch Ness Monster is throwing you up in the air and you find out he is real, but because you stand in a room with the procession of people who are worshiping him and his presence, the perfume of worship, which is literally his presence coming into the room, begins to cause people to go, something is here. We've often had, just last week, somebody who was new said, uh, they understood why the Kleenex boxes, they go, I started crying and I didn't know why. I was experiencing something. We go, yes, you're experiencing the love of God. He was revealing himself to you as we were lifting his name and the house was filled with perfume, the fragrance of worship and the pleasure of God. God's smile and God's pleasure fills the room not God's anger. Religion will teach you that the room will be filled with God's anger, that he's angry at you. But when you're with the company of people worshiping God, and, and, and our heart is that every person would know God, you begin to go, wait a minute. You mean he's not angry? No, he loves you. And that's why he went to the cross for you. 
And we're going to talk about that next week. It's a good Friday. I want to talk to you about all that was accomplished. The before we met him and knew, understood what that was for. And then the after as we receive all that the cross provided. The before and after of Sunday, we're going to talk about the transformational power of a resurrected life. It's going to be amazing. Uh, I know God's going to meet us here in a powerful way. Here's my challenge for you today. Break your box and join the procession. The worship team's coming back onto the stage. Break your box, join the procession. We all have boxes that we live in. We all have containers that kind of contain us, and we think sometimes that we can kind of open and let a little bit out. You know, I'll give, a, I'll give Jesus a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I'm gonna give him a little bit of me. He wants all of you. He gave all of himself. And in response, he's saying, I want all of you. I want all of your love. I want all of your devotion. I want all of you. And what Mary showed us is it requires a breaking of the box. Some of us this morning have religious boxes of backgrounds and thoughts that we've been trained in or we've thought about, and church is supposed to be quiet or church is supposed to be stoic. No, as you read the Psalms, heaven is a noisy place. Heaven is an excited place as it's filled with the presence of God. It's filled with worship and the praises of God as you read in, in Revelation chapter four and five. Some of us need to break our religious boxes today. Some of us need to break your personality box. Oh, Esther, it's just not my personality. You know, to kind of give this open demonstration of affection. I don't even kiss my wife in public. Your poor wife, you should do that. You say, it's not my personality. Well, Jesus wants to give you a new personality. He wants to come and empower your life. Hey, I'm just saying, I just want to challenge you today. Someone here, you're like, I will never do that. Yeah, we all, the rest of us in the room tried that, said that. But break your personality box. I'm not saying be something different, but be free to worship God. And for some, it might be this, and for you, it might just be like that. But just try and break your personality. Break it open this morning. Break the how things should be done box. Well, I was taught that, you know, it should be done like this. Break the box. Can, it, can you say it with me? Break the box. Break the box. We want to be a church where we're breaking the boxes. When you break the box, the house is filled with the fragrance of worship. Second, I want you to join the procession. He answered, somebody was talking to Jesus and said, if we look at the law, which is the most important one, and Jesus asked him, well, what do you think it is? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus goes, bingo, that's exactly right. Start loving God, and then secondarily, you'll be able to love others. Love is demonstrated. Love isn't just, I love you. Love is a demonstration. And what do you think it looks like along that road, kind of demonstrated the procession that day, to love, demonstrated love, the demonstrated love to Jesus that's all your heart. All your heart, affectionate, heartfelt worship and love to Jesus with all your soul, that includes your emotions. Oh, it'll be emotional. With all your strength. <laughs> there was a pastor that I knew of years ago, 
and he got into his later years of life, into his 80s, and he had weights that he worked out with, just light weights that he would work out with every day. And someone asked him, what are you doing? He said, I want to worship the Lord with all my strength until the day I die. I want to be able to lift my hands and worship. And I just love that. I just love that. With all your mind, what does it look like? This morning, break the box. Now watch what happens in the processional, 2 Corinthians, and then we're going to, I'm going to have, actually, would you stand with me right now? Let's do it this way. Let me read this over you. In Christ, God leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. As Jesus was heading into Jerusalem and the procession, they didn't understand the power of this king who would die on a cross. But we serve a risen king today, and we know that as we join the procession of worship, it's a procession of victory. Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. Through who? Through the worshipers who join the procession, who have broken the alabaster box. Through us, he brings knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance because of Christ. We give off a sweet scent rising to God. Remember, I told you from the Old Testament, that's language that says worship, which is being recognized by those on their way to salvation, an aroma redolent with life. Harvest, as the days move forward, let us be the church that breaks the box, fills the room with perfume, so that those who don't know Jesus yet will recognize him in the worship of God's people, the most powerful place to experience his presence. They'll smell the aroma, the fragrance of Jesus' presence in the room and come into a life that's filled for them. Are you ready? I kind of left it in this moment, but they're going to crank this out. <laughs> and I want you to break. How many would say this morning, I'm going to break a box today? Can I just see your hand? Can I break the box? Let me see how many are going to break a box. Good. And how many are going to join the procession today? Let's worship God. I'll dismiss you in a moment. I was very beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was mine too Till I met you I was breathing but not Alive. Oh, my prayers tried to hide. It was mine too. Till I met you. You called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Into your glorious day You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day
Now your mercy has saved my soul Now your freedom is all that I know The old made new Jesus, when I met you When you called my name sin was heavy the chains break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter I was an orphan you called me a citizen of heaven when I was broken you were my healing your love is the air that I'm breathing I have a future my eyes are open cause when you call my this morning Jesus you are worthy of all praise Lord we'll be a house that fills the house with perfume the glory and the praises of God <laughs> maybe seated if you can with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room one of the most exciting moments for us here at Harvest is at the conclusion of each service where we ask someone that might be here who's never received eternal life into them his name is Jesus. He died for you. He died so that God's anger was placed on him in your place so that you could have relationship, that you could experience with so many of us in this room and most of us in this room have experienced his love, a relationship with him. But we do what we do each Sunday because we want you to experience it as well. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, I'd like to invite you that this is your day. Today's the day for you to meet him. And I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer that he answers every single time. A prayer as he's knocking on your life's door saying, can I come in? And your response today is yes, if that's you. If that's you today and you want to invite Jesus into your life, I'd ask you just to lift your hand wherever you are sitting right now that I can see it and acknowledge it. 
then I'll ask you to put it down. Is there anyone here today? Thank you. Thank you. Just wait three more, two more, one more. Church, online, if it's you online, just text in the box. I'm inviting him in today. We want to pray just a simple prayer. We're asking you to pray that prayer with us now. Church, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. I'll receive your love. Forgive, forgive me of my sin. Come and live in me today. Thank you. Amen. We believe you prayed that simple prayer. You're born again. God's presence is living inside of you, and you are in for an amazing journey. Maybe just let someone in a green shirt know that you prayed that prayer today, whether you lifted your hand or not. We have a Bible that we want to give you. Stand one more time. We'll go in the power and in the might of the Lord. Remember, you've been perfumed. You have the fragrance. When Mary, Mary, everybody in the room, when they left after she broke the box, Mary had the aroma on her, the disciples. Days later, people would be going, wow, that smells so good. Remember, because of the Holy Spirit on your life today, you smell good to others. Share now. Share what Jesus has given you. Share it abundantly with others. Have an amazing week. God bless you.